0: You have to start with the why. I think not enough people start with the why am I helping? People feel you. What sets the budget apart is that there is a sense that this is a person and a brand that actually cares about you. The why is I am here to serve above all else. I'm Ian Harvey from New York City, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Today, we have Tiffany Aliche, aka The Budget Nista, on the podcast to help us really get in touch with the greater finance community. Tiffany is an award-winning teacher of financial education and is quickly becoming America's favorite personal finance expert. She's a blogger, a co-podcast host, a speaker, and on top of it all, she has an online school, the Live Richer Academy, that teaches women how to create, implement, and automate their own personalized financial freedom plan. Up next, you'll hear how Tiffany has grown an enterprise of personal finance, why service always comes first, and why the door is officially open for rockstar financial planning professionals.
1: I am so excited today. We have a Tiffany Alice, AKA the Budget Nista, on the podcast today. Um, she's going to really be talking to us and getting us in touch with the finance community. Uh, Tiffany is an award-winning teacher of financial education and is quickly becoming America's favorite, my favorite, personal finance expert. Um, She's a blogger, she's a co-podcast host, a speaker, and on top of all of that, she had time to start an online school, which is the Live Richer Academy that teaches women how to create, implement, and automate their personal finance financial freedom. Thank you so much for carving out time with us on the podcast today, Tiffany.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
1: So today we have a couple of topics we're going to touch on, but I want to kind of set the stage for a couple of people because our listeners are the financial professionals that are sitting with the consumers. So I know sometimes, or at least I've heard you oftentimes on TV, on radio and podcasts, talking about like the consumer's position. And so today we're going to really kind of touch on that from the financial professional and how they can be doing better for the consumer. And so I want them to just get to know you a little bit better, but so can you share how you became interested in teaching finance?
0: So my father was a CFO and an accountant. So finance was really a part of my life since I mean since I can remember myself. And um he taught my four sisters and I about money regularly. Even now if I call him he always asks how the business is doing. He wants to know like quarterly numbers, <laughs> like uh-huh. how <laughs> So even yeah. now in his mid 70s he's still coaching me financially. And um so I just never I didn't know that as a as a kid, I didn't know that most kids weren't getting that until probably high school, but especially college. And that's when my roommate had debt collectors calling the room and it wasn't her fault. Her parents opened up um, credit in her name and weren't able to keep up with it. And so as a result, she had bad credit, even though she didn't even know what credit was. And so that was kind of like the opening for like, huh, there are people who are struggling with this. And these are things that I've learned. Let me share. And so at first it just was me like, you know, calling my dad, Hey daddy, you know, such, such has the guy called the room and he said this, what do we tell them? You know, Hey daddy, her parents said they don't have the money. So what do we tell them? And then from there, my dad, saw I was really interested. So And started taking classes, reading books, um, just really ingesting as much as I could about personal finance for no other reason other than I wanted to get it. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to do better myself, and I wanted to help my friends. So it started off like that, um, but I never thought it was going to be anything. I just just ended up being kind of like the go-to girl for money for my friends, and I thought that's what it would always be. Um, I went to school for business, um, had a number of internships, and I hated all of them. And I realized (laughs) I didn't didn't want to work in corporate America Um, and because I'm like pretty fun and silly and lighthearted. And I was like, this is the place where your soul goes to die. At least mine. Oh, man, that's funny. (laughs) You know, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. So I remember because I remember I was graduating and I'd gotten a well, I'd gotten offered a job at one of my internships. It was good money, especially for back then. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to literally, I felt like I was going to die. Like I'm going to die here. So dramatic and like, you know, like 1920. Yeah. I'm like, I can't take that job. I'm going to die. What am I going to do? <laughs> and while I was on campus, I'd, um, I'd work at a, at a childcare center. I always babysat, taught Sunday school, that kind of stuff. So I always loved kids. But when I was on campus, I actually taught at the campus childcare center to make extra money. And I really enjoyed the kids. And I remember thinking, like, maybe I'll be a teacher. But I was nervous to tell my parents because my parents are Nigerian, and it's like you have your choices: you could be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or a pharmacist. Everything else is a drug dealer. Oh no! You know, yes. you're like, I mean, like, you know, you're like, oh, you know, I want to be a teacher. Oh, so you want to deal drugs? It's like, no, I want to what? I want to <laughs> be a teacher. <laughs> well, that's the <laughs> equivalent. <laughs> yeah.
1: Be like not that extreme, not that yes.
0: extreme. <laughs> and so. um, But I'd already made up my mind I was not taking that job. So I didn't. And so, like, I secretly took this job at a childcare center because at the time I didn't, although I had my bachelor's degree in in business, um, I didn't have, you had to have, like, you know, a teaching certificate in order to teach in the older grades. So I said, I'll go back to school, which I did. And in nine months, I had my teaching certificate so I could teach. But I really ended up loving preschoolers. And I said, you know, I'll stay for a year or two, then I'll elevate to like, you know, middle school, high school. No, I ended up staying for 10 years and I loved it. Aww. And, but what it taught me, I mean, it is invaluable. It is the single most um, determining factor of why my business does well now is that those 10 years teaching preschool, because it taught, taught me how to teach. It taught me patience. It taught me how to present. It taught me how to deal with a difficult customer. (laughs) (laughs) Those kids have a really good way of doing that. They can persuade you. (laughs) Yes. right. It taught me how to be engaging, entertaining, entertaining. It taught me how to educate. You know, because you have to think like there's no harder sect of people to educate than um, preschool because that's when they're starting just starting to get awareness, but not enough that it-, it makes it easy for you. You know, like if I tell you... Um, you know, like this is an A, like an apple. You know, you're like, oh, okay, I literally have kids say, what's an apple? You're like, oh my gosh, okay. How you explain that? <laughs> yeah, so now I have to explain the apple. It's like, well, you know, you bite into an apple, what's a bite? You're like, okay, so <laughs> so it started off with A and now I have to go all the way back to like the thing, the one thing that you do know and build on that. So it taught me that patience of figuring out where you are, honoring and respecting that and building from there in a non-judgmental way. It taught me kindness and empathy. Um, and so it was just the, the best time. So after the recession, the recession hit like my 10th year, 2009, and I just remember um, thinking like, well, everyone loses their jobs, but not teachers. That was not true, because I ended up losing my job um, because it was a nonprofit-based childcare center, and they lost their funding. And so, but in that time, i right before then I'd bought, a, I bought a condo when I was 25, I'd saved like $40,000. I was making $39,000 a year. I bought a car in cash. It was a little, like it was two years old, a little Nissan Altima. I bought it for like 5,500. So I'd made all these great financial choices. I moved in with my sister. We were, I was 23. And so I, um, so I stayed on rent. My rent was only 550, my, my share of the rent because our apartment was, um, wasn't um was even an apartment, it was a house. We found a woman that actually owned a childcare center next door to the house. So she was more concerned about um, the right people living there than charging a lot of rent. So it was 1100 um, And it included utilities. So we, we I really made these really great financial choices. Then right before the recession hit, I invested with who, which I thought was a friend of mine. He ended up Taking me for all of the money that I had basically and 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 ended, I ended up in like thirty five thousand dollars worth of credit card debt because it was a credit card scam that he pulled on me um, but I could have recovered from that, but then the recession hit literally right after that, and then my jo- I lost my job and so and then I just finished my masters, so I finished my undergrad degree with really no student loans i I think maybe I owe maybe I want to say two thousand twenty five hundred dollars and I paid those off. And so I was debt-free, but then I was like, I'm going to go for my master's in education. Maybe I'll be a principal. Then I realized I don't want to be a principal. (laughs) I owe $50,000 in in my master's, bought that house for two twenty, dollars my condo, um, and then the um, $35,000 scam for my friend, then the recession, then losing my job. And then I I went from financially perfect to a hot financial mess. Um, But as I... It took me two years to emotionally get over it, so I did. I did almost next to nothing for two years, as far as like by trying to work my way through all of the debt that I was in. Um, and I ended up moving back home with my parents. I lost my house to foreclosure. Um, so, but after I kind of um, got over myself and realized that lots of people make mistakes financially, it's not a it's not a character flaw. It's just a human mistake. And I, um, I started building, like digging my way out because I actually had the solutions. I knew what to do, but my shame was keeping me from seeing them. And then I looked to the left and to the right, and I realized that so many people needed assistance. So as I dug my way out, I brought people along with me. So my friends, and then their friends, and then their friends. And before I knew it, one of my best friends said, "You should, um, you should like charge people." And I was like, "Could I do that?" So at first I just started charging people doing one-on-one, sit with me and I'll do the budget. But that was hard because I would do your budget one-on-one and then your budget would be like negative 500 and that'd be at your house watching your kids play. And then yeah. I look at the budget and look at you. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> so then I was like, you know what? You can actually keep this fifty dollars. They're like, are you sure? And I'm like, um, you, you girl, need yes. it. You need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was real. That was it. Did not work out because one on ones were really tough because it was a struggle. Mm. Um. And so I thought, okay, how do I create? How do I help these same people but not be a financial burden on them? That was like a really big thing for me. Um, and so a, a mentor of mine said that I should look into contracts. And I said, okay. So I, um, I ended up emailing everyone on my, um, on my email list. It was like maybe 50 people and one person emailed back. Because I, I was doing a lot of volunteer work yeah. when I was unemployed. A lot. So I volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club, United Way, every nonprofit you could think of, YMCA, small ones, little ones. I did a lot of volunteer work because I find that I, I'm, I can reach clarity when I'm giving. Whenever like there's a lot of things happening and I'm feeling overwhelmed or just depressed or just it's too much, then I know that I am focused too much on myself. It's like the Tiffany show. Everything is Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. Yeah. And so the best way to reach clarity is to help other people, for me anyway, other people solve their problems. Because one, it lets me set aside mine. And two, it lets me like be less selfish and be like, well, what you're going through is not as big as you think. Yeah. You know? And then three, what it does is as I'm working through other people's problems, sometimes they mirror my own. And I'm like, oh, because I can easily find a solution for you when I can't sometimes find that solution for myself. Yeah. And so that's what I found during that volunteering stage. So when I emailed uh, that, that list, a lot of them were from places I'd volunteered, so they knew me. And um, the woman who em- ended up emailing me back, she had taken over a position from a woman that I knew at the United Way. And she's like, oh, I think her name was Amy. Amy doesn't work here anymore. My name's Catherine. I'm the new program director for the United Way. And I was like, well, can I meet you? And she said, sure. So I came in, I met with her. As I was running out the door, I grabbed my, my new book, The One Week Budget. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, you never know. And so it, we ended up just connecting, me and Catherine. We're still really great friends today. Um, and she was like, you know, I ended up giving her a session. Because we were just... When you're a teacher... You're always teaching, so we were talking about like, oh, what I could do for the United Way, and she was like asking me personal questions, like, what about this? And before I knew it, I put aside what I came for, and I was like, girl, let's do your budget right now, and we did, and I worked, and we did it. She was like, oh my god, that was so great. Can you do that for staff? I was like, sure. Meanwhile, I had not never done like a staff training, yeah, because I was, you know, I was a preschool teacher and now unemployed. Mm. And she's like, what about next week? I was like, do you guys prepay? Kidding, kind of. I wasn't
1: kidding. (laughs) Kidding, but here's my bank account. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Right? Because I was staying. By then, I'd moved out from my parents' house, and I was sleeping on my sister's couch. Mm. And she was like, it's been nine months. So I spent like a year with my parents, a year with her. And she's like, I kind of want my place back. She had a one bedroom. Yeah. And so I was like, I need rent money, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so they did pay. I think it was like, it wasn't much. and Maybe I want to say maybe $600, between three and $600. Mm. And um, so I, I, the next week I came in and I, I was like, one thing, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm not great at, but one thing I am really good at is teaching, you know, because I mastered teaching. You know, the, there's a 10,000 hour rule that, um, that Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his book. I think it's The Outliers, but he's one of my favorite authors where the rule is that it takes about 10,000 hours for you to reach the mastery level of a skill set. So Serena Williams um, got her first Grand Slam title. I think she was 16. She started playing tennis at age six. Um, and so, so 10,000 hours typically is around 10 years. So I had taught the hardest sector of the population to teach for 10 years straight, five days a week. And so by, by year 10, I was a master teacher. And so that's one thing I can stand strong on. So by the time I walked into the United Way, I didn't know everything, but I knew how to teach. So if I know something, like if I know how to tie my shoe, I can break down how to tie your shoe that a three-month three-month old could understand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so once I understand it myself, then that's the hard part is getting myself to understand it because then I can teach it. And so that's what I did. And and like I I just have a unique teaching, um, I guess, profile where it's fun, it's educational, it's entertaining, it's, it's everything. And then and then by the end of it, people, like the the staff had told the other staff that didn't show up that day how great it was. And she was like, people are literally complaining that they can't believe they missed out and it's not fair. Can you come back? I was like, can you prepay again?
1: <laughs> oh my god! I said,
0: can you prepay Right? Can you prepay again? Yes. <laughs> so we both laughed, but you did. And so I came back again and she was like, wow, could you do this for the community? Mm. And then it was like light bulb. That those same women that I was sitting with one on one that couldn't afford me, they could come to these classes for free. And then the United Way could pay me. And then there wouldn't be this like kind of feeling of like, oh dang, I'm charging people who can't afford it. And so that's how I got my first contract. And so that's how the budget needs to really got up and running. I mean, now the consumer pays me as well. Yeah. But that's what like, you know, how I kind of cracked the code. Um, but really for me, it, it starts off as service first.
1: That's amazing. I There's just so much to unpack right there. But it, to to really kind of point out the first thing you touched on was really like how you felt like I just am that like that energetic person, fun, like there's just no way you could have been in a corporate job in a cubicle, you know, mm-hmm. on a, in front of a computer and never like speaking to people and serving them. And that's just like the huge thing I take from it is the people that make up that finance community are huge on serving people and it just happens to be serving them in helping them with their finances and it, and it kind of makes me think of the next thing of kind of your identity you've you've started and your personal brand within the budget Nista. but i'm always very curious because you're a financial educator um and you have this business. How do like? What is what makes up your business? Like, are you have a whole bunch of employees that are helping, or you have other financial educators underneath you? Are you doing all the education? Like, how does that how does that look like for your business
0: within the Nista? It, it's really expanded. In the beginning, it was just me, so I only taught what I knew. Yeah. So, if you're like, "Can you teach me how to invest?" No, I'm <laughs> not the nista I'm the Yeah, you know, I believe in transparency. Yes. Like, I'm not going to be like, "Oh, let me read a book about it and try to no." Like only what I felt really good that I had mastered, which was in the beginning, it was literally just budgeting and saving. Mm. Then I was like, ooh, I've mastered paying down debt. Ooh, I've mastered this credit thing. So I added that on. Um, and so, so that's, my, like, that's my core. So it started off as me doing the education. And so my, the budget needs the business. So it's an enterprise. But the core business, when I first started, it was Tiffany speaking and teaching. It was books. Um, it was like, you know, I might do like, um, seminars or panels. Um, and then sometimes people would pay me to write curriculum and stuff. Cause that's one thing when I got my master's, um, it was in education. And so I know how to write curriculum and all that kind of stuff. Like that's what I learned. Um, so that, that have, like, I wrote the the NASDAQ has a financial education curriculum. I wrote that. Wow. And so, so that was kind of like the core, but it was definitely like, I was the business itself. And I remember maybe like, I want to say four years ago, I said, okay, I can't possibly just do this. and I, Oh, I also do spokesperson work. So I do brand ambassador and spokesperson work. So like I work with, um, with brands. For example, I am the financial wellness ambassador for uh, Prudential Financial. And I love that because with Prudential Financial, one of the things they're really leaning into is that, that they, don't, they are a financial wellness company. And they want people to fully understand that. So it's not about a magic number. It's not about how much you have. It's really about that using money as a tool to the life that you want to get to. So once they kind of decided that that's what they want to be, I, I jumped on board to be their financial wellness um, ambassador. So so things like that. That's the budget But it's also could be exhausting because if I am the budget the end all, the be all, the, the rooter and the two-turner, <laughs> yes. then you know I was like, so then I had to ask myself, okay. How do I expand from there? So I started my online school about four years ago, the Live Richer Academy, and I realized that I didn't want to be the the sun, moon, and the stars. So instead, what I did was because one, two, my knowledge is limited. No one can I I can't be an accountant and a CFP and a CPA and a, a financial advisor and like you know what I mean. The it's like like going. I live in Newark, so sometimes we have like the the corner store where you can get gold change chicken. <laughs> A do rag and you know and a cold soda. Everything oh, and, and, and right there. Every <laughs> yes, so and but nothing well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't want to be what I call a buffet business, mm. um, or, or or I don't, or at least for me, I didn't want to be a, a, a buffet provider. So with the Live Richer Academy, what I did was um, I reached out to financial experts that specialized, and I said, "Can you teach your expertise?" And I have yet to get a no. So I reached out to like a CPA that I know kills it out there. He teaches taxes. My personal attorney teaches like setting up your business. Um, My friend Catherine, she's now the CEO of the United Way, um, teaches funding for a nonprofit. So I have all these amazing experts that literally just teach their expertise, which is so great because a lot of the pressure is off of me. Because one, I can't possibly know all those things. So now you get this amazing expert. That this is literally what they do with their life. Yeah. And this is what they're, they're, you know, they're coming in to teach that. And so the Academy does really well. Um, it's a multi 7 figure year business. And it's been since its first, it took about a year and a half to, for it to make its first seven figures. And now, you know, so, but it's been, but, that's, but also because of the building of the Budget Nista. The Budget Nista is about 10 years old now. So you figure for six years, I built this brand and it was easier to branch off. Because of the the budgetista, and I also have a marketing company. Because sometimes uh, brands will come to me in a different way. So with the with the budgetista, I'm the sole owner. With the academy, I have a business partner. And then with the um the I have with my marketing company. I have that same business partner. His name is Jabril, and he's he's a marketing genius. He's our CMO. And so um the when it comes to like if you want to hire me to do a spokesperson gig, that's one thing. But if you're like hey we've got this product and we will pay you per person that signs up. So a product I already believe in, then that's the marketing company. So that's kind of like the third arm. And of course I have a podcast um, and I also have a foundation, but the core kind of like income producing components of the budget needs to enterprise, including all of those businesses is speaking, teaching, curriculum, ambassadorship, the Academy and, um and, um and marketing.
1: And you may have touched on this. So, I mean, you don't want to be the all everything, but it's like, you have a team, you know, that helps you with all Mm -hmm. this. Like how many employees do you, I mean, like, this sounds like a huge business. I mean, you're saying it's seven figures business. I, I mean, is that a lot of people that are behind the scenes? You know, it's, it's really amazing to see how much growth that you've come, just like you said, over the 10 years, but like how many people does it take to really run a business like that?
0: So right now we're at about 25 core business, like core um, people who work. And then I would say probably another 10, 15 that kind of like we just call on when we need them. Yeah. Wow. That- you know, like, oh, like Hector, who is my, um, Hector does a lot of my book, um, um, like the graphic design for the book. But so I might hit Hector up, you know, like once or twice a year, depending, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so yeah, it's about 25 of us. And like, I have lead team members. We've got a finance team. We've got a content team. The literature Academy has its own team. Um, and then we've got a marketing team. That's
1: amazing. Um,
0: (laughs) and so they're yeah, they, they are. And they honestly, and it's so crazy because the growth has happened within the last two and a half years. So I would say three years ago, it was me and Jabril and maybe like an admin. And now we're like, you know, three years later, because in the beginning, the first Six, seven years of the Bajanista, it was really just no one. Really, I would say that for the first five years, just me. Yeah. And then maybe year six, Jabril came on. And then, you know, it's not until about three years ago that we really started building a team. Wow. I um, mean, that's when we saw the growth to seven figures.
1: You've been touching a little bit about how you don't want to be that buffet business or provider. Um, you want to allow people to really like be in their own space of what they are experts in. Um, and that's even for yourself where you're like, I'm budgeting things. I got that down, you know, and that's my specific niche. What would you say is kind of how you define differences? Because I've noticed this amongst consumers that it can be very hard to tell um, what the difference is between financial professionals. Cause you know, you have your insurance agents, you have the people that work at Prudential, you have wealth managers, you got well, you know, financial educators. What would you say is kind of the differences that you see amongst people and how they work with um, consumers?
0: Let's just start with an accountant, right? Your your CPA. So their core, at least for, for me, my accountant. Well, I think most people think that your accountant is just there to help you with your taxes, you know, like, but for me as a small business, my accountant is there, yes, to help me navigate, um, you know, my, my tax burden to help also hopefully help to lower my tax burden. Um, but also, too, he, a good, to me, a good uh, business CPA is also going to look at your business overall and offer some suggestions about what you can do. I'll give you an example. There was a switch that we made. I think it was when I switched from LLC to S-Corp, but recently we, made, we switched from uh, S-Corp to C-Corp. But um, so um, my L, when I went from LLC to, to S-Corp, that is just the way the, 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 the IRS looks at you um, as far as paying taxes. And so because of that, I was able to drop my um, self-employment tax which, depending on how much you make, may or may not work out. So, Carlos, my accountant, is always like doing the numbers. And so he was like, okay, now's the time to make a switch. You'll save $100,000 in taxes. And so I did. Um, and so, when we went from S Corp to C Corp recently, um, we saved $100,000 in a quarter. Like, that's how much that big of that. So, your accountant is there to look at your overall, I mean, whether it's if, if you're a business or not, but just to kind of look at your overall life and your financial desires and choices and this and that, and figure out how they can help, um, um, minimize your, 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 your tax burden for the most part. You're seeing more and more how tax
1: professionals are becoming even more of a like real need amongst like your financial picture. But it's also kind of, and why I say from the consumer perspective, because they, you know, you watch TV a lot and these big companies have these huge marketing budgets to put out like, oh, what an advisor is or what a financial planner is. And so that's why I'm curious, like why a person would go, all right, I need to work with an advisor at Prudential versus maybe why wouldn't I just work with Tiffany and the budget Nista? Like what,
0: why would there be, is there a difference to you, you know, on how you would work with it? And honestly, they ask all the time and I'm like, I can't do that. Mm. um so because and i know why they ask because i built the trust and so people ask i mean literally a day does not go by like if i did one-on-ones i could be a millionaire just on my, i mean we, I'm, I'm my, my net worth is seven figures but i could i could just make seven figures if i was willing to just do one-on-ones because people are like whatever i don't care how much it is i will pay you and i'm like well one I, i'm I, I don't have the expertise to guide you and what you're going to need in insurance and investing and, and retirement. And that's just not what I do. That as a financial educator, I'm just here to give you the tools and the resources and the education you need, whether the education comes from me or another source, the education you need to 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 transform your life and to, to achieve your goals, right? So that's, to me, that's my role as a financial educator. But like a financial advisor um, is, is really there to to provide like these concrete tools. So like, okay, this is the investment vehicle. This is the insurance plan. And so as a financial advisor, I, this is what I share with people when they reach out to me is that that's what your, your, the, the core things that you're going to get from your financial, um, advisor and they can help to you to navigate you know, what, what tools are going to help maximize whatever goals that you want to reach as it relates to um, retirement and um, investing and, and insurance. And then a financial planner, to me, I feel like, because I, I just hired a CFP, a financial planner. I've been looking, honestly, I have not had great luck with financial advisors. And, um, and so um, a financial planner, um, I, I feel like takes a, a more holistic view so my financial planner, when I, I interviewed probably like fifteen different people um, over the course of like two months to find the right person, because this, this would be like my third or fourth person in the last like three years, uh, because you know people overpromise and underdeliver. Ooh, if ain't. Uh, that is the truth. <laughs> yeah. So I honestly, and I, it's just been crazy. I mean, like I here's the thing: I look for in, in any in any financial professional because I'm an educator, I look for an educator. Meaning not that you have to be a teacher in your past life, but if you're annoyed by my questions, then why are you here? Yeah. Like that is the biggest pet peeve. I can't ask you questions. I'm just supposed to give you my money. Oh, okay. No thanks. Yeah. You know, so I, I tell like my audience that all the time that you are looking for someone that actually enjoys educating you on the process. I'm asking you these questions, not because I want to do it, because it's my money. Yeah. I want to learn the why. But why about that? So When I find someone like Carlos, my accountant is amazing. I'm not even I have sent Carlos so much business, I'm not even allowed to speak his name. The fact that I even said his name, he's gonna be like (laughs) Timmy Hey, we can blurb it out. It'll be like And you'll keep talking. He's he's, he's fine. No, no. I mean, like, you know, so, but no, I mean, because honestly, like, that's how much business I've sent Carlos, because Carlos is amazing. Carlos is like a throwback in that he's the type, like back in the day, like a doctor who would come to your house. (laughs) Yeah. And to like to check in on you, that's the energy Carlos gives you. Carlos literally has clients. That, you know, that are making a hundred million dollars a year. And yet when I come in, I feel like I'm the hundred million dollar a year client. Mm. You know, he make cause I thought I was like, well, that's because Carlos and I are really cool. No, girl. <laughs> like, like everyone, I, I remember I went to a barbecue cause we have mutual friends. I went to a barbecue and my attorney was hosting it. And he was saying something like, you know, this new house is so amazing. Shout out to Carlos for helping me. Everybody was like, yes, Carlos. Carlos was everyone's accountant in that room. <laughs> I was like, wait, hey, Carlos, you cheater. I know. No. That's what I thought. I was like, wait a minute. I thought I was your client, Carlos. You look
1: to the right and left and that person's a client too. You're like the same
0: right. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, but and, and here's the thing. I, I have modeled my business after Carlos. Mm. And so uh, every financial expert would do well to do the same. And what like, so for like my CFP, I was looking for one, an educator. One, yes. I wanted somebody who, what I love about my, not CFP, but you know, for my CFP, she's also a CPA, which I like, So mm. she's got extensive knowledge about um, okay. taxes. She's a team player because I have a CFO for my business. You know my my chief financial officer, but Carlos gets on the phone with my my CFO, my attorney, and now he'll get on the phone with my CFP, my my planner. Mm. And so so I wanted somebody who's going to be a team player. I also wanted someone who I could grow with. Yeah. You know that you know. So I'm not looking for somebody, quite honestly, who is 85 years old. Yeah. Because I'm like you know you know I'm 39, so you don't have to be 39. If you're 60, that's fine. But I wanted I didn't want someone who's at the end of their career who's going to pass me on to someone else.
1: Yeah, so true. And so one one thing you did talk talk about is kind of the what the profession could be doing to help a person. So you you have a Tiffany that walks through your door that's like, "Hey, I, you know, I'm wanting to find someone who fits my mold and fits who I am to help me better understand my money." And what do you think financial planners or this profession could be focusing on to help like build their personal brands? Because I think a lot of people are struggling with that of like, they don't know who they want to help, or they are just figuring it out, or they're just casting a wide net and saying, I'm going to be that buffet to everyone. And it's actually maybe hurting them. What kind of advice would you say you
0: have for them on that? So I would say that this is, this is great. um, There's a great uh, TED talk, um, that I did I rewatch every every um, few years. It's it's by Simon Semecki. I think is his name is. Let me see if I can find it because it it was just really great. I just really rewatched it, and I think that most people work from the outside in, meaning that they're looking for his name is no Simon Sinek. S i n e k. It's how great leaders inspire action. That's what it's called. It's a TED talk. It's not very long. Um, And so he talks that really, truly great leaders start with the why, then the how, then the what. Most people start with the what, then the how, then the why. Meaning that if you're, here's the thing, people, I'm the budget nista. Why is your client coming to me knowing that my business name is the budget nista asking me to do your job? And I'm like, well, I don't do that. Well, could you just still? So sis, I'm telling you, that's not my expertise. I wouldn't even know where to really start outside of like what to do with myself. And you are willing to take the risk with me. Why? That I have to turn you away. Why? People ask me, what bank do you use? What bank, what bank should I use? What, I mean, when I tell you the questions they ask and it's like, why is that? It's because you have to start with the why. You have to start with the, I think not enough people start with the, why am I helping? People feel you. If they feel that I'm just another number, I'm just another, what sets the budget needs to apart is that there is a sense that this is a person and a brand that actually cares about you the why is i am here to serve above all else you know the what is i choose you know the or that how is through education and the what is financial education so starting with that why cuz here's the thing my i could i could we could i could be teaching dog tricks i could be teaching natural hair solutions it wouldn't matter because my why is the same it's i am here specifically women to help women live better lives the what and the how are only important as it relates to the why have you identified your why do people know it do they feel it is it intrinsic and so when you do that like so now that's why i'm able to say i've got 20 different ways that we make money right i have an online school okay Uh, You know, I have a planner. Okay. I have a book. Okay. I have a child. You know, I do spokesperson. I do all of this stuff because it's like Nike. They started off with a sneaker and now we're drinking Nike water and wearing Nike watches. Why is that? You know, because there is a core um, belief that they have been able to translate. You can sell anything once you're able to do that. And so I think that's really the, the key. Do, if you want people to care about your business, they have to first know that you care about them. When someone sits down with me, the very first question, because I don't do one-on-ones anymore, but ex- unless it's like an extreme circumstance, right? Um, and so like, uh, so, my first question is always, without fail, is tell me your story. And so because that gives the person just the, the opportunity to be like, and then my dad and then my mom and then my <laughs> husband, he left. and then, like, They want to get that out. Yeah. Tell me, and so from that, because if I just say, what are you here for? Like, let's, uh, no, you need a, like, for example, a friend of mine, let's call her, I don't know, Anna. Anna hit me up and she's like, girl, I need um, one, two, three. And I was like, that's what Anna thinks she needs. And I said, oh, okay, Anna, well, tell me your story. And as she starts to unpack her story, this is like preschool teacher, Tiffany, and that I can listen to a three-year-old and really understand what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And then then, what you're really saying is (laughs) you're upset because Jaheim doesn't want to sit with you anymore. But it took him a while to get there. But you have to honor the process of that unpacking. Yeah. You know, because that's where you build trust. That's where you build rapport. So I'm listening with my preschool teacher ear and patience. And okay. And pulling out more. And well, what else did mommy say? Well, what else happened on the playground? And he didn't give you the ball. Okay. You know, like I'm pulling out more and you're feeling more and more relaxed. And then you're sharing it. And then from there, while you're speaking, I'm also pulling out like what's really happening. Because then when it's all said and done, and I'm like, Well, Anna, you said that you needed a retirement plan, but what it really sounds like is you need is that you haven't started saving yet. Oh, that's true. You see? So, like, I like it's 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 that component of like building that trust. There's been times when I've spoken on the stage, and like, you know, I will preschool teacher Tiffany on the stage, which means emote um sympathy, empathy, kindness, love as I'm teaching. And then I will go to the bathroom, right? And then the waitress will be in there and be like, oh my God, thank you so much. I just won um, $20,000 in, in the lottery, right? And I'm not sure. The waitress! <laughs> in the bathroom. When I, when I, in oh. the bathroom. And I haven't told anybody. I don't want to tell my sister because she's going to want to bar. Can I give you my. When I tell you, everyone tells me their business. It's literally like, a you know, like three years old, just be telling a the of business. Yeah. Like And then mommy said, and the daddy, like everyone tells me. Some of your fave, fave, faves are in my inbox telling me all of their business, because you know what? I miss Tiffany. Mm. You can tell Miss Tiffany anything. She's not going to be mad. She's not going to shame you. She's going to listen with kindness. She's going to give you this virtual or in real life hug. And then she's going to say, let's figure it out. Yeah. Let's figure it out. And so that's what, to me, I challenge. Um, And no, it's not an industry of like, you know, hugs and like Mm -hmm. kindness. And well, that's why it's an industry that's struggling, quite honestly. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying you have to physically give someone a hug. It's how do you get that energy across? Because if you want people to trust you, you have to build trust. And I think enough people don't do that. They're just going for the. I can't tell you how many people who I know who have great money, make great money. They don't have a financial planner or advisor. They're like, I don't trust it. Mm. Can you do it, Tiffany? No. Well, when you you open that leg of your business, you let me know. Wow. And I'm like, I'm not gonna open that leg of my business. Well, then I'll just be. I'll <laughs> just be without. I mean, I know <laughs> for her, I know people making seven who have who are in the seven figures who are like who are without. Mm. That's crazy. That's huge. That that trust piece is like so
1: real because. I can just hear, I've heard the conversation. It's like we're trying to build this rapport when a new client comes into your office and you're asking a whole bunch of questions, but it's like, it's checkbox questions, you know, like your favorite color, your alumni, oh, you've done this, you went to this school, what your career's in. But none of those questions really go, all right, at the end of this meeting, I felt so authentic to talking to Tiffany today that I could call you and tell you anything Whether it was regarding to finance or not, like that trust just never is actually built in those first couple of meetings. And it's really sounding like where the game changer is, is doing that, really focusing on that. It's like, yeah, you need to know your clients, but they also need to trust you, you know, to share, you know, that they have to feel comfortable enough to do that.
0: You have to build, like I said, like, uh, I'll give you an example. I didn't pay my my first two years in business. I didn't build. I didn't pay my taxes because I was like, I was broke. Mm. And I remember I was afraid. And so Carlos had been calling me and texting me and Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. And I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, and then I went to ShopRite and I was like shopping. This is two years in. And Carlos was in the aisle. I tried to turn around. He said, nope, you come here. He <gasps> <I was like>, said, <laughs> Tiffany, he said, I did your taxes already. Meanwhile, I didn't ask. I did your taxes already. I'm like Carlos. I don't have any money. He's like, well, how much do you think that you owe? And I was like, I don't know, like forty thousand dollars. He was like, you owe eight. And I was like, oh, that's not so bad. He said you would have owed five, but those fees. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yes. He said, I he said I could, you know, I I asked the IRS to put you on a payment plan. That's what I mean. That level of like, I like. You don't have to stop somebody in the in the in the grocery store, but how do you build that kind of energy where someone trusts you like that? Yeah. You know, and honestly, it doesn't, it's not something you can fake. You have to be trustworthy. So if you're putting on, even if someone can't see it with their eyes, they can feel it with their heart. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, best and believe that folks can feel you, the real you. So if you really don't care, if you really are not interested in helping and serving, people can feel that. And they react to that, whether they even know it or not. So it starts with really developing that. I don't know if you, maybe you want to start doing volunteer work. How do you develop that inner component of yourself that truly does care, that puts service above all? Because when you do that, I mean, you'd be surprised. People tell me, used to tell me all the time that I could never run a successful business the way that because we put people first, then purpose, then profit. Sometimes we don't even make a profit off of some of the stuff we do. And people tell me that I'm crazy as a result. And now they're like, wait, how are you making $4 million a year yeah, how do you do with that? all the giving? You know, <laughs> you're giving all this stuff away. And I was like, people come to us and give us money. Like, I didn't start the academy thinking I wasn't going to do it. They literally said, Tiffany, I want you to teach me this. I need you to do. So I built it based upon people saying, I need to give you money in this capacity. I remember when I did, I did, I do these free um, financial challenges every year. Someone said, can you make it in book form? And I was like, well, they're free online. Why would you do in the book? They're like, girl, can I give you my money or not? And I was like, but online. So I did it in book form. In three days, it hit number one on Amazon in my category and Mm. made $10,000. And I was like, wait, what? And so, but do you see what happened? When you, when you build that kind of rapport with your clients and your customers, like um, making making money is not going to be the hard part. You, you'll be Carlos who can't even take on new clients.
1: Yeah. So you kind of talked about this when you're reaching for about the community aspect and how you built your Live Richer Academy community. And one thing I've noticed that I really love, and I'm like, how do we get financial planners to really see that community is even when you're not talking, Tiffany, your community is talking amongst themselves mm-hmm. and sharing. And oh, it's now interesting and exciting and fun to talk about money. Where yes. that is such a huge issue for a lot of families that they don't talk about it. And then financial planners are working with people as they walk into their office very nervous and scared because they don't want to talk about it, but they probably leave still feeling the same way. How do we change that within our communities of our clients to build them to be excited and empowered by money?
0: Well, it starts with sharing your story. I, I mean, I don't know what laws prevent or help with this, but sharing your story first. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because I like uh, the truth is, we don't have an issue. With people. Sometimes we have to tell them to stop oversharing. I have a Facebook group. <laughs> For real, yeah. we have a Facebook group of about 400,000 women. And there's times when I have to message someone like, "Uh, sis, so you, you, you're sharing a little bit too much now. Like, you know, somebody from your job might see this and, and be like, hey- you know, yeah. she's she's working on her side job at the job. You know, yeah. So I mean, like I I cannot go to Whole Foods without someone stopping me and us talking for ten minutes about how I help them with their credit score, and then them telling me, like I said, like people I've never met. So you know, I was I was late last week, but I'm doing better. I mean, people are telling, like, yeah. so it's it's, But it's about, but you have to create the environment. And then here's how: by one transparency, transparency, transparency. When someone shares, providing. Uh, feedback that is non judgmental, that is solution oriented. So you can be what I call my father, who is when I used to spill milk as a kid. He'd be like, We don't have milk money. Do you have milk money? So someone who busts, <laughs> or yeah. you're my mom who you spilled milk as a kid. And the first thing she did was reach to get a paper towel. Mm. So are you a paper towel person? Mm. Meaning, like, solution for? Because here's the thing after my dad finished going off about milk money, guess what he went to do? Get a paper towel? You're going to get a paper towel anyway. Yeah. Can we just cut right to it? So my mom was very solution focused. So creating a paper towel environment. The thing happened right to the solution. Mm. Non judgment, kindness. Even people are hard enough on themselves. They don't need you to beat them down too. I. They know they overspent. Yeah. They know they didn't make all the right choices. And I'm not here to judge that. I'm here to say, okay, and that's my favorite. Okay, and and you know I took the money out of my 401k even though you didn't tell me. I did it. Okay, and that was my mother. And mommy, I got a C on that test. And then okay, and. That means we have to go to see the teacher, see if he could do some extra extra credit and, and, you know, no TV tonight. It was always forward moving, creating a safe environment for someone to share because you've shared as well. So I did a lot of sharing in the beginning. So that way people felt comfortable to know that they are not alone and that you don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. And yet somehow I'm here. Um, so that's 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 really the key paper towel person solution oriented creating a safe environment that when someone shares there's no there's no judgment in your in your in your voice in your responses um and you know um transparency 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 how do you illustrating to folks that they're not alone letting folks know well, you know I know a doctor who doesn't have any money in their retirement and we're working on that too don't worry you're not alone out here
2: mm.
0: letting people know that you know that because people mostly think that they're the only ones going through something. And once they realize that they're not, it just makes them realize, like, feel, feel just a little bit better. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not that people are not talking about it. And here's the thing I always say, too. You want to, because I see sometimes, like, some of my friends are like CFPs yeah. or, or, or a CF, like, they'll be like, you know, they'll do this thing where it's like, oh, nobody is dot, dot, dot. No, nobody is dot, dot, dot with you. Yeah. And it's hard to accept that. Yeah. Because there people are stopping me in Whole Foods at the like, I can't tell you how many stewardesses slipped me an extra soda on the plane. Cause they're like, Thank you so much, Tiffany. I got my <laughs> budget. I'm like, what? The TSA agent. I forgot a bottle of water in my in my bag. And as she's like, girl, you left this bottle of water. Budget needs to buy the way, girl. You know about $200. dollars what? And I'm like, Having that trouble first owning it and saying, they're not telling me because once you own it, you can fix it. I used to tell myself when I used to not get, when no one wanted to pay me to speak and I would get pissed and be like, well, that's because they don't have the budget. That's not true. Because if I was Oprah or Michelle Obama, they would have the money, right? Yes. So that means they don't have the mm-hmm. money for me. Mm-hmm. So once I owned that and said, how do I illustrate my Oprah? How do I earn Someone paying me now. I can make sixty thousand, not sixty. Ooh, I wish twenty thousand dollars a speaker. right? Yeah. Because it took me years to illustrate my Oprah. Instead of saying they just don't, they're not paying anyone. No, 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 not anyone. They're not paying you. Wow. So Tiffany, they're not paying you. Why is that? Let's fix that. So that's what I, I want ownership in the, the industry too. Where oh, it's a dying industry. Quite the opposite. My the audience is growing larger and larger and larger of people who are. Interested in financial education. I, I mean, I have never seen so many financial educators in, in the industry as I do now. Um, and so, what does that tell me? It means that is that the audience is growing. So, if the if your business is not growing, then there's a disconnect there. But the good thing is that you you have more and more people who would hire you if you would only make the connection with them.
1: You're talking about that connection and how the amount of people that are growing in the as far as consumers. You have successfully been helping hundreds of thousands of people, people stopping you on the plane, people stopping you at Whole Foods. Like people know who you are. And you've been successfully helping them. Why do you think it's so difficult for financial planners to be helping the masses the way you do? I. It's just some background. On average, some planners are only getting like one to three ideal new clients for for their firms and they're saying that oh and then we don't know how to help the masses like or we just haven't found a way to charge them or be a profitable business. What do you have for advice for that? Because you've clearly have shown that that's not the issue. It's not you're able to help the masses. There's a disconnect somewhere.
0: And where are you seeing that? Well, also to to be fair, I know that there are some fin- not financial um there are some legal yes um hindrances to that industry. Mm. You know where you can't like you can't post certain things even on your own personal like you know yeah no Instagram testimonies
1: page. and yeah it, there mm-hmm. there is this le- well and and that and that's what's kind of concerning because it's kind of like all right there's this level of regulation uh, but even outside of the regulation it's like is it difficult to find a way to charge someone a profitable uh, some, charge someone a fee and it still be profitable for the business that you can help people besides just those who have money, you know? Yeah. And that's the concern. It's like, oh, I can only help you once you get wealthy. And it's like, that sounds really crazy. I only go to the doctor when I'm healthy. I don't go see him when I yeah. have the disease. Well, so like-
0: Well, answer this. I'm not sure legally, our, our financial as a financial planner or financial advisor, are you allowed to do like- um are you allowed to charge for and i don't know probably not like um like it, like if, say if you were to have a class are you allowed to charge for that or no
1: so pe- as long as people because they work with their compliance department, right? Everyone has their mm-hmm. compliance person, and if that's how they're going to put themselves out there, of okay, we are going to put on seminars or educational workshops and charge a fee, because that's what it is. It's breaking it down to how can we get paid in different ways? Is it through a fee? Is it commission? You know, um, what, what ways are we getting? Fee, uh, charge a fee, and is it right for the consumer? So I think as long as like people are are able to work with their compliance, because you're able to go do the seminar. So it's like you just have to put in probably extra effort to work with your compliance people in advance, rather than maybe you know deciding like, hey, let's do a webinar, and then you do it tomorrow and you charge people. They're gonna have to go through the hoops of preparing in advance and maybe they don't get to do it tomorrow, but they're able to set it up for a month or two out. So maybe it's just that the timing isn't there, but yes, they could be doing that and getting charge a fee or charge people a fee.
0: Okay. So, cause to me, one of the best ways to convert someone is to educate them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the best ways. are uh, uh, is it sales? I think, uh, it's, no, no, it's, uh, I think it's the beers. Anyway, diamond people. Years, years, years ago, when they, when they, diamonds used to not be the thing that they are now, and so one of the thing, one of the ways that they made diamonds really a, uh, I think it was the Beers, um, why, how they made them like the premier go to for wedding, uh, like for um, engagement rings, is they did this whole campaign on education, the three Cs: cut, clarity, color. This is education, education, education. So now all of a sudden. You know, plus two, they made diamonds scarce, even though they're really not that scarce. Yeah,
2: Um,
0: they made diamonds seem scarce. Um, But education, like ever, if you ever try to sell a house by yourself, by far, you have for sale by owner out a a local realtor. If they're worth their salt, will will drop off a packet for you about how you could do it yourself you know, for sale by owner, here's a packet. All you have to do is these 20,000 things,
2: mm.
0: right? And then you're looking at it, you're doing the education. What does it make you do? Let me call that realtor. Girl, I ain't about doing all this, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, and so education is, is key because it, one, it builds rapport, it builds trust, and it also builds your expertise. So when you're educating someone, when they're ready to pull the trigger or they're ready to make a move, they're likely to go to you because who would know better than the person that showed them? and so that's what i would to to suggest to start off. i like that's why i was wondering cuz i really don't see quite honestly too many financial um advisors doing like uh classes um whether they're in person or or online so starting with um educational components and like i don't know if on social media if you're allowed to to share if there's even if you went to compliance and said hey i would love to share these are 52 um, um, statistics or stats or whatever that I would like to share once a week you know that's why I'm getting 52. I get them all up front or 100 whatever, and they get cleared and this is what you could share on your social
1: whether they're charging for it or you're handing it out for free, just overall it, it sounds like the profession could be doing better on educating people um, first, you know in not educating or waiting to educate them until they like walk through their door and they become a client and then you educate them, yes. like really educating them before they even know who you are or even know what a financial planner does.
0: Exactly.
1: That's exactly what
0: No, doing. I agree. Cause that's what I, that's what we do. So many, it's it, because it, be, it builds what's called a funnel. So the opening of any sort of marketing funnel is free things, free, a blog, your social media, maybe it's a podcast. So people enter into your universe through something for free. And then from there, you illustrate your Oprah by providing greater value. And you might say, okay, so you're in my funnel. You you paid nothing, but I have a book. It's ten bucks. Okay, I invested ten bucks. Ooh, this book is good. And you're like, I've got a class. It's t- it's thirty bucks. Okay, so you're deeper into the funnel. So as as people go into the funnel, less and less people will advance to the next level of the funnel. Because not everyone, some people will stay at free forever. Some people will, you know, get down to the $30, $30 class and stop right there. But as you get advanced into the funnel, if, if you notice like a funnel, literally the, the opening gets smaller and smaller because less and less people will fit through. But, you know, it, along the way, as a financial advisor, you can ask yourself, how do I monetize along the way? So that way, the, the, if the end goal of the funnel is for me to be your financial advisor, it, you, you can't just go from free to financial advisor. How do you monetize some of these smaller streams of revenue along the way? Because you're more likely to get someone who has invested in a book than a class, than a whatever, you know, I don't know, let's just say it's a, it's a, a planner or something like that. And then, and then get to the actual session with you. Like, how do you educate people along that way? Um, and, and two, something that you could do, and this happened, like when I found my financial planner, um, Angelique, Um, when I was interviewing folks, um, her name came up like four different times. So are you also shining in your own industry? Like people were like, because when I told them what I needed, I mean, I, I wrote like a four page manifesto of like what I needed in a financial plan. <laughs> I love like it. Like all of my, like where I was, how much money we had, like everything, everything. I could think of anything, every nickel, penny, dime. I make this, we pay this, we do this, this everything. Because I wanted, and I sent it to to the financial plan. Like I wasn't playing it. Before I interviewed them, I was like, here's my manifesto. Here's what I believe. Here's what I think. Here's what my money is doing. Here's where I'm confused. So that way, if you don't think you can, ma- if you can't handle this, handle this manifesto, you can handle Tiffany. So I sent it out as a kind of like a pre-interview, and there are people who literally are, bowed out, and they were like, "You need more than I'm able to do." But you know, he'd be good, Angeli. Mm. Do you need like literally three or four people said that, um, and I thought, huh? And so, and I was like, we'll see. I interviewed Angeli and she blew me away. Wow. Um, and you know and with with her just just her knowledge overall and i just said wow this is who I'm. and not just her knowledge just like she was an educator she understood she listened I, I didn't feel feel judged i'm like because i've been burned before i was like i don't even want, i don't even want you to manage my money mm. i want you, i want to manage my own money meaning you're not going to get commissioned on that i will pay you your flat fee i'm going to manage my own money in a, my own account you know the people were like yeah well that's not cuz cool. so, of course you're thinking about well, dang, I'm going to miss out on that commission. Angelie was like, that's fine. Because I'm sure she's thinking, if I build this rapport with Tiffany, after a while, girl, she's not going to manage all the money. It's a lot. But <laughs> I need to get my foot in the door. Yeah. And you know, and then if I build this where I'm teaching her how to do it on her own, so much so that she's like, wow, Angelie really does know her stuff. This is not some... Gotcha. 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 We're going to, we're going to be at this for a while. I can trust her because that's what I'm really saying. Mm. Remember when I told you, tell me your story. Yeah. So what I'm really saying is everybody else was a gotcha, gotcha. So now I'm not doing it anymore. So I'm not really saying I don't want to manage my own money. She understood what I was really saying is I need to build trust with you before that happens. And so that's why that, that like, you know, that, so I I say all that to say that, like building rapport in your own industry. Are, are you, does everybody kind of know you as someone that they could refer people to? It doesn't have to be that, I'm not talking about someone who does the same thing as you necessarily, because why would they send people to you? I'm talking about, do CPAs know you? Do other financial educators know you? I, to this day, I struggle with, who oh am I gonna, people ask me all the time. I don't have a, I have like maybe one or two financial planners and financial advisors that I feel comfortable sending people to. Why is that? I have 800,000 women at my disposal in 100 different countries, but 90% of them live in the United States. And I venture to say at least 20 or 30% of them are looking for the next level of financial experts. And I don't know where to send them. So they sit. Because I'm not sending them to the wrong person. I'm not. I'd rather not send you to anyone. Because I've interviewed so many, and I was like, are you kidding? For myself, yeah, I just... Back- we, and the jury's still out. We'll see. We have our first call tomorrow. <laughs> like our first call. You know? and so, but isn't that crazy that like yeah. I, I'm in this industry for 10 years and I have a hard time finding people that actually care, not to say you care, that, mm. that are actually going to help people even if you don't have a ton of money, that are actually going to educate. And so it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. I, I don't know where to send them. I would love to. And you know, of course, everyone's like, oh, send them to me. I'm like, illustrate your Oprah. Mm. I'm not sending them just to send them. Illustrate your Oprah. Why? Like, I don't. I don't know who who's out there to send them to. I don't. I mean, quite honestly, even my friends who have a lot of wealth, I, no one like everyone knows Carlos the accountant. How do? I, how come I don't know Carla the CFP? Like, why is her? You know what I mean? Like, meaning that if I ask my friend who's been making seven figures, why is she not over head over heels for her CF her for her person? That she's like she's like oh. John is all right, girl. I'm like, well, God, I don't want him. You, you barely do. It's kind of scary when I really think of. Like, it's just kind of coming to me that when I really think about it, that honestly, I don't know anyone who was like, oh my gosh, the way I feel about Carlos. But I don't know anyone who feels about that about their their, their CP. I'm, and I'm not sure why. I guess that's the industry's question to ask themselves. And maybe there are a handful of people who are like, I'm not. I'm not trying to be hard on our, you know, the the this industry, but I'm just telling you the real, so you can see on the other side. What, what folks are saying. So you can say, well, that's not going to be me. I am going to be the Carlos of this industry. I am going to stand out with my service and my kindness and my understanding, my lack of ju- judgment, you know, as far as judging folks, I, I am going to, to overextend myself. I am going to be the go-to. I am going to be someone who can't even take on new clients because people are beating down my door. When I tell you the window is wide open, let me become a, um, a CFP or or financial advisor. Like the door is open for, for, for superstars to roll through. Like this is a great time because there are not that many people who are shining in it. So this is a great, amazing time. You could really make a name for yourself because I don't know any go-to people.
1: That's amazing. So listeners, you heard it. You Get right, okay, because there's this door is wide open and the opportunity is there for you. Um, as we kind of wrap up today, thank you again so much, Tiffany. We have a Financial Planning Association Activate um, Facebook group, and we did a little bit of pre-work for this podcast today where we allowed everyone to basically... Shoot me um, a personal message or put up on the Facebook group what questions you had. And of course, there, there was a flood of questions from our listeners, but I just grabbed a couple quick, like fire um, response questions for you. Um, I know if it goes too long, you'll be like, mm mm. They're going to have to listen to a webinar. Just say it like that, and they know <laughs> that where they need to go is uh, to your website. But um, so the first question is What is your personal thoughts on the use of credit cards? I used to think credit cards are the
0: devil. I no longer think so. (laughs) The credit cards are a tool like a hammer. A credit card can be used to build your financial house. Mm. A credit card can also be used to destroy your financial house, just like a hammer can be. Mm. And so really credit cards are as good as a person, are as helpful as a person wielding it.
1: Second question. What advice do you give to students and their parents as they get ready to go to college, dealing kind of with the cost and the planning of- Um, how expensive
0: schools are now. College is an investment, an investment, investment. The purpose of investing in something is to what? To at worst break even, to at best get a return. You have to think about college as that. So if you, I I had a a Spanish teacher who went to Princeton, a Spanish teacher that went to Princeton, what is the return on that investment? So, because she maybe has a, a hundred $150,000 worth of student loans. And now you're a Spanish teacher. But she went for Spanish teaching. It's not like this is where I end. There's nothing wrong with being a Spanish teacher. Obviously, I I was a teacher. But what I'm saying is think about that. That's not the return on investment. Doesn't make sense. So whatever your amount you're going to pay for college student loans or otherwise, asking yourself on the other end, will there be this financial return? Am I going to spend half a million dollars? for, to become a preschool teacher. You don't need to spend half a million. You can still be an amazing preschool teacher without having to spend all that money. So just be conscious. College is an investment, not just of time and energy, but of your money. And if you're going to spend money on college, then the, then what the capability of making that money back on the other end has to be clear. And if not, figure out a way to spend less. Do you start up a community college? Do you need to go to an Ivy league for this particular profession um, will you be able to get a job that's going to be able to pay this back? And if not, rethink spending it. Not, not to say you don't have to go to college, you know, but rethink spending it um, in, uh, at that school in that way.
1: The last one here is, what is the biggest obstacle you're seeing people have with saving?
0: I mean, I guess it's obvious is not dipping back into it. Mm. So I, my biggest suggestion is to make your savings inconvenient. Because inconvenient money gets saved. So whether it's a, something, putting it in a CD, I just do this thing. This helped me. I would say it increased my savings by like 80%. I put my money in an online only savings account. And um, what that did was, so I believe in like three major financial institutions, credit union for borrowing, a regu- regular brick and mortar big bank for convenience. So like a bank, you know, like America, Wells Fargo, that, that kind of thing. And then an online only bank. So like right now I'm using Ally, but there's like Capital One. Uh, there's a bunch of like online only banks. There's a website called, you know, Magnify Money where you can find the best online only bank that, that yields the highest interest. So um, putting your money in an online only bank, do not open up a checking account. they just a savings account. The only way to get your money is to link it to your checking account at your regular brick and mortar convenient bank. So if you want to send money, you send it through your your bank. If you want to get money back, it has to come back to your regular bank. That's about a 24 to 72 hour wait. So if you're at Target, like we've all been, and you want something really, really bad, and you look (laughs) at your savings, and you're like, I want my money. There's no way for you to go physically go get your money. You have to wait that 24 to 72 hours to get your money. It will cut your impulse buying Dramatically with with your money, at least with your actual money. Now, I can't control how you swipe that credit card, but you won't be able to spend your savings easily. So, make your money inconvenient. So, because inconvenient money gets saved.
1: Thank you so much on those little tips. Um, I almost sound like there were some planners on here having questions about their personal.
0: You <laughs> so- <laughs> are. Because, because you do it. Doesn't mean you don't live through it, right? right like totally. Sometimes- <laughs> You know, sometimes the hairdressers have messy hair. You're like, oh, girl. (laughs) That is
1: the truest point. We're like, wait a minute, you're doing my hair? (laughs) Um, And then just, like I said, this podcast is for uh, the young professionals that are out there that are getting into the profession and uh, just trying to help navigate themselves in their first several years. Or we have uh, the firm owners on here listening on how they can better support their young planners. Um, and is there any last tips you want to just leave for our listeners, um, that are young professionals, uh, that are interested in joining
0: the profession or knowing more about what you do? I'm hoping you got into this industry because you want to serve. So serve, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so serve, you don't need permission to serve. You don't need, you don't need, you don't need expertise to serve. Meaning that of course, to, 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 to be a financial, um, uh, advisor or planner, yes, expertise, but I'm talking about just as a human being that if you want to serve, then then serve. Don't let, well, I just need this and I just need, no, you you can still serve. You can still listen. You can still care. You could still um, teach the little bit that you do know. And so I think that we get so wrapped up in the, you know, the, in the what's in it for me, you know, like, oh, I just want to make this amount of money, which is nothing wrong with making, quote unquote, this amount of money, but know that you're not the only one who's asking what's in it for me. Your client is asking that too. So if, if you're both thinking what's in it for me, no one is receiving. Yeah. You know, and that you should be asking your, your, yourself what's in it for my client as well. And put that above all else and and you will have to drive people back with, with a with a sword. I'm telling you, like if you put the what's in it for my client and you reduce the friction of them um, um, getting to you, meaning that it's f- easy to find you online. You know that maybe you're on LinkedIn. It's it's if people have to hunt you down and look this way and look that way to, to to work with you, then th- that's not going to you know that's not going to bode well. So reduce the friction for your client to connect with you. Make it easy for the people that you do work with to share you because you're so amazing. Um and 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 serve. Put service above all else. I, I promise you. You do that, then you are going to be able to help clients that don't have enough because they, they'll they be offset by the clients that you do have that that make more than enough. It's okay to to mix and match with both. Everyone doesn't pay me, but they all get helped. You know, my all 800,000 folks don't pay me. You know, maybe it's only 20% that are really keeping the business afloat, but we still get to serve all 800,000. And that's what's most important to me. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.